0: Thank you for listening to Women in Sports. This show is all about advancing the narrative for women in the sports industry. I'm one of the hosts, Erin Sennett. And I'm Ashton Pills. This is a Rising Coaches sponsored show
1: that gives women in the sports industry the opportunity to tell their stories and talk about their experiences. Glad to have you listening along. Stay tuned.
2: Women in Sports is brought to you by Rising Coaches. Rising Coaches is the biggest coaching tree in all of basketball. We have over 1,200 members of coaches from the high school all the way up to the professional level. Uh, And there's three things that we focus on, community, relationships, and development. There's no straight line in this business. There's only ups and downs and peaks and valleys. And when you're going through them, it is crucial that you have a support system and a community who has been through the fires themselves that you can lean on and help you through those tough times. Genuine relationships. We put the premium on genuine, uh, not just exchanging phone numbers and speaking one time a year at the final four, uh, but rather creating relationships that will last a lifetime and help you both personally and professionally. And finally, and most importantly, development. We are constantly providing resources to our members so that they can work on their craft and add tools to their toolbox. The premise is this. If you sign up and become a member for Rising Coaches for just one hundred twenty dollars a year, the relationships and the network will take care of themselves organically so that you can focus on working on your craft and better serving the people that you come in contact every single day as a coach. For more information, visit RisingCoaches.com and sign up for a membership today.
1: Wow, that has me fired up. I know. <laughs> yeah, I love it.
0: Awesome. All right, everyone. Welcome to Women in Sports. I am super, super excited for our guest tonight. Um, my co-host, Ashton, thankfully KU, men's basketball, has started practice. And so she is at practice. So um, just all of the good vibes to her tonight at practice. But she definitely won't be missed. Um, but tonight joining me are, is Amanda Mania. Woo! amanda busak from she is the fox sport pits reporter and live event host as well as emily staker the agent she's an agent for women in sports broadcasting and a co-host for galvanized life podcast so a fellow podcaster yes
1: there's so many now in the COVID era. It's like every other person I think helps.
3: Thank you for keeping us all entertained. My goodness, we need it. <laughs> yeah,
0: there's so much content. That's a good thing. Yes, absolutely, for sure. So kind of the one um, thing we always try to start our shows with is just um, one way you guys start your day. So Amanda, if you want to start us off, just what's that one thing you do every morning
3: Yeah. So for me, and it's funny because my, I will have to admit my habits have changed in COVID. Uh, I think, uh, and Emily, you guys might know this and especially Aaron uh, coming out of of college, but uh, your schedules can consistently change. And as someone that lives my life on the road, you know, I'm used to grabbing a suitcase and heading to the airport. Uh, Well, in a pandemic, you spend a lot of time at home. (laughs) So uh, one of the things that um, I've always done though, and it actually stems back to my grandfather was military and it was one thing that uh, he kind of instilled in me early. And it was, you know, if nothing else, if you accomplish nothing else the rest of the day, if you make your bed, Yeah. You've at least done one thing right. Or you've at least accomplished something. So that, I, I swear, like he probably told me that when I was 12, but I still hear it every morning. And even if I let it go a little bit, like I make my coffee or something like that, it's always, Amanda, make your bed, make your bed. So that, but one of the ones, and I just have to throw it out there because I, I can't stop singing the praises of it. And I, I recommend it to everyone. And it has truly, truly changed uh, my life in this uncertainty um, but I started meditating. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm on my 120th day. Uh, I kind of did it, uh, along with, uh, not knowing what's going to happen. Right. Uh, as a career working in events and sports, uh, my world went from crazy busy to nothing at all. <laughs> so, uh, the meditation has been really, um, interesting of, uh, pausing and, Uh, learning that your thoughts are just thoughts and allowing them and and being comfortable in the unknown. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: Recommend it. Absolutely. Emily, what about
0: you? Yeah, so I have a puppy. He just turned one, but he's still a
1: puppy in my eyes, even though he's 100 pounds. Um, But he is an early riser. Like I almost never have to set an alarm anymore because he is up at 6 a.m. sharp. And I used to be so bad at having, like, first thing in the morning, looking at my phone, looking at my emails, and making sure I've gotten all my texts, because I'm on Pacific time, so by the time I'm up, like, there's been hours of activity happening, usually, and so I have stopped doing that, fortunately, and I usually go outside with my dog, like, spend some time with him, just, like, especially now, it's been so beautiful out, so it's usually really nice out by that time in the morning and just like really, um, getting ready for the day and taking that time, similar to meditation, you know, just like processing what I want to get out of the day and then diving into the emails and the texts. And that has really improved my mood because I, I mean, I was like, why, do, why am I so like angry all the time? It's like, cause I'm just reading emails first thing in the morning. And it's just an awful way to, start your day so it's been a good shift and my dog has definitely appreciated it
0: also. <laughs> <laughs> yes that's so true We're just um moving to Denver that happens to me with like central time and east coast I was like oh my gosh like every year I've lived in a new time zone so I was like this is crazy. <laughs> but yeah I've started meditating as well. So shout out to Brandon cause he hooked me up with headspace and that's, that's what I use. Yeah. It's been, it's been so great. And then it sends you reminders and the alerts. It's like, so I have mine go off every morning and it's so great. Um, but yeah, so one thing that I really just love to explain to people and tell them is like having a position in athletics or having some sort of role in, you know, women in sports, it can be all sorts. It's not coaching or being an athlete. But basically, what did sports, like what role did sports play in both of your lives growing up that kind of has now made you to be in the position you are today?
3: On my end, uh, growing up in Greensboro, North Carolina, uh, straight in the smack middle of uh, ACC country, uh, Tobacco Road, there were two reasons we would get out of school, and that was the state fair and the ACC tournament. So for us, uh, especially on the college sports side, it was major. I mean, I go back to grade school. uh, We learned ratio by win-loss records. So and every, you know, every kid in the neighborhood had their team. I went to an ACC school. My brother went to an ACC school. Uh, So for us, it was just always that competition. But then on the personal side, on all over the country community sports are are so big and and luckily we had a robust community sports kind of network uh in my community um anything from soccer to the t-ball to um i was a might cheerleader and for Pee Wee football and all of that so uh it, it, it was crucial i think uh growing up um for us and uh my Um, My father passed away when I was young. So uh, having a single mother and two kids, uh, we were constantly going from one field to the other. So uh, definitely something that had a huge impression on my life and uh, knew early on that uh, would love to somehow work in the space and uh, didn't know how, but uh, uh, as luck would have it, it all kind of worked out. Yeah.
1: I definitely grew up playing sports all the time. I have an older brother. And when you're from a small town, you have to like kind of be (laughs) friends with your siblings because there's not a lot of options. And so we played sports all the time. I got so many black guys because he hit me in the face with the baseball so many times. And so my mom got a lot of calls from school being like, what's going on at home? And it's just getting hit in the face by her brother. But Um, I definitely just love to play sports. And then as it happened, um, I mean, I grew up a Seahawks fan and just timing wise, I sort of grew up with uh, the Legion of Boom. And that was such an exciting time to be a Seahawks fan. Like it's one of their like best rosters ever. I think Um, there's such amazing talent in that team. And it really made me fall in love with the NFL. And so in high school, I was really into the NFL. Like, I definitely, it was weird because even then, it was weird for girls to like really be actively talking about sports. And I still remember even in high school, like, my motives were always checked and my knowledge of the game was always checked. So it's it's so irritating that that still happens because it was happening to me when I was in high school. But, um, then I started working for an NFL agent when I was in law school, and so it all kind of came full circle. And now I've kind of departed a little bit from that, but I do love how just even one team can really inspire a whole career. It did for me. <laughs>
0: That's incredible. Yeah, you talk about like getting checked. I feel like I always see memes. It's like, oh, I like sports. It's like a girl. <laughs> but- it's like yeah. oh when who won the super bowl in like 1968 and you're like oh, okay <laughs> I think
3: the best meme that I saw that kind of capitalizes that and it, it obviously extends beyond sports into other industries as well but if you saw the meme of oh what is his name um it's the singer he's a the redheaded singer acoustic very talented oh Ed um, Sheeran. Yes, yes and it was him and Beyonce and like Beyonce's like dressed to the nines and he's in like a t-shirt and it's like this is what it's like for women in business. <laughs> like homeboys in a t-shirt and we have to be hundred and ten percent on our shit. <laughs> so but you know it's motivating. It is. I'm gonna prove wrong, but you know, it's 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 one of those things it's like you know, take it for granted kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So Emily, you talked about like I'm a lawyer. You said you're a lawyer. So what kind of really like made you go through that. So kind of like your undergrad and things like that. Did you always kind of have this path of like, I want to go to law school, this is what I want to do. I want to kind of, you know, segue into sports that way. Or what kind of what kind of happened there?
1: Yeah, it always makes me laugh because even now still my motives are a question and people are like, oh like you want to date players and I'm like, yes, I took the easy route of going to law school so I could date players. Good for me. Um, (laughs) amazing. But Yeah, so my uh, family was, like, not very, um, like, they didn't have a lot of opportunities to go to higher education. My dad obviously got a bachelor's degree, but my mom never got to go to college, and I was the first woman in my family to graduate from college. And so for me, like, it just kind of shifted my perspective with education And my grandma, who got married at 16 and had her first kid at 19 and just like had a really different life than me, was really adamant about me taking every opportunity that I could. And I was very good at, um, someone call it arguing, I call it, um, you know, public speaking and um, different things, of course. But uh, I decided that that would probably be a good path for me and I really fell in love with the two big things that are important in law school and being a law- lawyer, which is reading and writing. And so um, I went for it and I can't say it was very fun, but it's over now. <laughs> and so yeah, but it, it really meant a lot because I'm the first lawyer in my family now. And so um To know that I have, yeah, to know that I've advanced, um, you know, the women in my family in that way, it
0: means a lot to me. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh, that was (laughs) was a great answer. Um, Amanda, can you kind of talk about like sports broadcasting? Was it always something like you loved being in front of the camera and just making, creating a story for people? Obviously North Carolina, like huge racing with my little racing history I have, but um, what kind of was that like, um, going through, you know, college and things like that, and then really, um, your career taking off and, and segwaying into being a pit reporter?
3: Yeah. So, uh, I'm at my story, uh, my whole career is haphazard. Like it, it's crazy that it, that it all kind of came together and it's kind of been one, um, unknown event after the other, truly. Uh, The first uh, inflection point that kind of changed everything was the recession. Uh, My background uh, at NC State, I did entrepreneurship. Uh, It was such a really cool program. Um, Just by chance, I was able to be the first student to go through it. Um, But with that, I got to do a lot of stuff with the state of North Carolina and work downtown and work in in with different senators and in the legislature and stuff like that. And I thought that I wanted to go into, or I did, I wanted to go into education. Um, there was a virtual education program with the state of North Carolina that was just kind of kicking off. And I was like, that's exactly what I want to do. Uh, my experience, it changed my life and inspired me to want to do that for others. And we're literally sitting in the legislature. Uh, it's probably around March, April, and on a big board, uh, the budget for our fund was pretty much axed (laughs) so that's my first welcome to adulthood you no longer have a job in the recession so uh from there uh, i started um i had luckily waited tables in college uh to make ends meet which was great so i went back to bartending Uh, a friend of of mine uh, we just randomly started a web tv company and uh truly just so we could go to events in the raleigh area One of those was the Jimmy V. Golf classic. Uh, I turned that into my first reel, uh, drove up to New York City, got a job at Del Frisco Steakhouse in Manhattan, worked there at night, interned during the day for a sports agent. Uh, Took two and a half years to convince a company uh, to hire me as a production assistant. Uh, That was in Chicago with a company called Campus Insiders uh it was a college sports network uh, where we had insiders across the country uh kind of in all of the power five and uh, a lot of the smaller uh, conferences as well we actually did some of their uh we live streamed a lot of their games which was pretty cool Uh, but that's kind of my first foray and then uh i had an another inflection point um actually left the business for a little bit uh with a family matter and uh moved to boston i was selling meat out of a freezer no lie Italian sausage, might I add. Uh, And then I got a call asking what I knew about drag racing. And um, I had gone to a drag race when I was a kid. Uh, For us, obviously, motorsports is big in the South. Uh, We did a lot of circle track, dirt racing, super late models, stuff like that. Uh, But when you get another opportunity or shot at what your dream is, um, at least for me, no one was going to get that job for me and um, I haven't looked back. So it's, uh, it's, it's been uh, kind of crazy. I don't know if there was a path for me from childhood, uh, although I was uh, at my aunt, and this is, gosh, this is gonna sound so Southern too. So my aunt does my hair in her house. She has a beauty shop in her, so still Magnolias, right? Uh, but she was saying, she's like, yeah, Manny, you know, you just never met a stranger. You would talk to everybody on the beach. And I'm like, well, at least I grew into what I was supposed to be, it's paying mm-hmm. off now. <laughs>
2: But yeah, so I don't know. I, I
3: truthfully, I love people. I love stories. I love um, I love helping people feel comfortable with telling their story. And uh, gosh, when you look at the just the breadth of sport, there's so whether you think of the resilience that comes within sport, whether you can have so many kids or, or talent that come from broken homes or come from some story where. The coach really helped them mature. The coach was like a second dad, or um, I I just love seeing how sport can advance people in their life.
0: I have some barking dogs. I'm so sorry. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) Nope, hold on. Okay, that was good. Just had to ask her nicely. Um, Yeah, no, that's awesome. What are. Just kind of if you like follow up like what are some things that you think people don't necessarily know that happens in broadcasting like you're just like the person on the screen and you just go out there and talk or what are kind of those hidden things that you wish people knew more about
3: yeah no that's actually a great question uh the funny part is uh sometimes i think that the success especially in in live production um Truly, I think the biggest key of my job is surviving the unexpected. Um, a lot of time, it's my job to have the content, right? Like it's it's my responsibility to have my prep work done and to know who I'm talking to and know what I'm talking about and, and to cover the sport as it's happening. But there are a lot of things that happen on site that are just not in the rundown. Um, I could lose all communication to the television truck and be on an island, right? Our power could go out Uh, and this stuff happens. (laughs) And then at that point um, you're really in a position where uh, you are the trust factor to your producer and uh, to be able to, I mean, there's times where my mic has turned on on air or I start an interview and there's no audio and you, you cannot let that get to you. Like you just have to um, truthfully so much stuff that happens on air. I'm sure I've said things that don't make sense, but you have to let it go. It just keeps going forward. And if that stays in your mind, it's just gonna to wear you down. Um, but I think the other thing that, that's pretty cool, and, and I wear this as an honor, when uh, we're on air, it might be the five of us that you see, but we're representing 80 other people that are working on this television show at one time. Uh, so to be able to take that serious and to know that, uh, I can't really have a bad day at work because that's a reflection on my coworkers. And so to be that final deliverer of the product, it's a pretty cool honor to have.
0: Yes. Or not even just being on an Island, but having a bunch of dogs barking. (laughs) I feel like I'm living that right now. Um, Emily, kind of similar, like with you, what do you really wish people knew about, you know, being an attorney or now being an agent and things like that, and just going the whole route of law school and just kind of what that means in the yeah,
1: industry as well. Um, Amanda mentioned it earlier, but there's just a lot of um, similar experiences for women across many industries and law school and the legal profession is not an exception. There's a lot of really interesting um, ways in which men and women disperse career-wise. A lot of women go into public service and most men go into corporate law, just the way it happens, it's really interesting. Um, And men, male male attorneys have longer legal careers because the legal um, industry hasn't really made uh, a way for women who want to have kids and a career succeed. And so mostly they have to step away and then it's really, really hard to get back in the door. Um, Mine, I love because it's super flexible and I'm working with women all the time, which is awesome. So I don't have to experience those problems very much. It's one of the reasons that I switched from... NFL to this, uh, because an NFL agency is not that different either. I was one of two women in the entire agency. And, um, you know, it it wasn't like anything crazy, but it just does get a little old, like not really seeing representation and not really having a lot of people understand your perspective and your experiences. And so I kind of created career that I wanted (laughs) and so far it's it's worked but yeah you know law school is definitely as hard as people say it is um especially the first year they are highly motivated to get you out of there um because their philosophy is if you can last that first year then you'll be fine but they will do everything in their power to make sure you don't and so there's like a locked curve so maybe one or two people out of a class of 60 get A's and then everyone else is lower and so I've had tests where I had a perfect answer and got like a B because it's there's people it's so subjective there's people who add little things and they end up getting the A's and so getting comfortable being uncomfortable is just a huge part of that and that definitely helps you in life because you know there's moments where it's like you're experiencing unfairness and you just have to kind of roll with it and um, you know it it does make you tougher like I think just graduating from law school gave me a lot of
0: confidence of like okay I can take on quite a bit now if I made it through that so yeah. Yeah that's incredible I think yeah even having like a few friends that were student-athletes comparing being a student athlete to law school and they were like if you thought coach was hard like Absolutely not. It is a for sure grind. So that's incredible. Um, something that you also like just from us talking and and getting to know each other, you really try to help women to know their worth and basically have a job now kind of doing that legally. Um, can you just kind of tell us more about, you know, just what you really try to do in that aspect of, or like by only working with women? Yeah. Um, Pay equity has a lot to do with the
1: fact that women don't negotiate, Uh, just for whatever reason, we negotiate less than our male counterparts. And so my biggest thing is just getting women to start that conversation and, you know, kind of get rid of a lot of the misconceptions around negotiation to get more people at the negotiating table. And for me, you know, a lot of my clients when I'm talking to them or if I'm doing like a negotiation prep session with them, their image is like you go in with your terms and if they if they decline, then you just are stuck with whatever you have or whatever they offered. But, you know, really, I always frame it as a conversation with purpose. And you have to go about it with the same creativity that you go with a story and sort of like actively listen to what they want and use that to create an agreement that is a win-win and don't walk away just because they said no first, like a no right away doesn't necessarily mean no to other things that you could get. And so I think just uh, making it a little bit more approachable has been really important to me because it's amazing what you can get when you just
0: try. Yeah, that's all great knowledge and just really important, especially for somebody like me who, like, I was like, oh my gosh, I'd definitely love to know more about this. Like, wow. Like, can we be friends after this? <laughs> um, but even just like Amanda, you kind of now being um, so far into your career and probably have, having to go through that same, um, you know, process and negotiating, what kind of, um, you know, what what do you really go into those conversations like and, and what have they been like for you?
3: Yeah, I think it, it, it varies, uh, kind of based on the relationship too, right? Like with um, drag racing, I've been with the, the property for five years. So I have a nice rapport with my boss and uh, I feel like we can be honest about things that are important to me and things that are important to the league. Um, with new opportunities that come up or different uh, things that might come across across my desk, it's kind of great coming from the standpoint that, um, you know, I'm okay with or without this position. So let me know now what you're offering. And then I, I don't have to necessarily put myself out first now, uh, which is very uncomfortable. Uh, the first part of my career, this is the first job I've had that I haven't worked a second or third job to be able to work my first job. Uh, it just is the way it is in a lot of dream careers, be it sports, entertainment, fashion, uh, music, uh, those entry, If I ever have a soapbox, <laughs> that entry level job, just make it livable. That's all I ask. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first one, unfortunately, was not. Uh, and it was living in a major metropolitan, uh, making less than $30,000. Uh, and I don't come for money. Uh, I don't, you know, I, I wasn't able to write it out, you know, I'm working at a restaurant until two o'clock in the morning and turning around and showing up at studio at 7am. Uh, granted, everyone has a different plight, everyone has a different fight. Uh, but I think if, if at least you make that entry level job livable, you're getting the best person for the job, not the person that can take it. Um, everyone has a different circumstance, everyone um, comes from different situations, but at least at least let that job uh be open to the best person um so one day i will make sure to uh and that goes for everything i mean you look at uh especially in the coaching world on the ga side or the dobo side things like it's tough um and and i get i get the how bad do you want it how bad these are some of the hardest working people in the sport they want it trust me <laughs> Uh, so it, you know, it's just, it's one of those things, but uh, I think on the, uh, negotiating side, uh, when you're in a, I don't, when you're in a male dominated industry, especially in sports, it's just known there are more jobs for men. So it makes those jobs for women that much smaller. Um, and if you saw the news in the last 24 hours, uh, the regional networks for NBC, they're cutting all sideline. Uh, So when you, when you see, uh, even from a national standpoint, that the position doesn't even have power, that people are looking at budgets, and they think that this position can just, just go, it does make you fearful, it makes you timid, it makes you, um, what is your, what is your bargaining power, right? Uh, So it's, it's a dance. And I think you have to take each of them one by one. And, and luckily, having worked with different networks or different people, um, over time, uh, sometimes you, you, you maybe take a little to get a lot kind of thing. And, um, I've, I've tried to let that work in my favor and just keep my head down and work hard.
0: Yeah, definitely. I feel like that even to help would make somebody really like kind of question their purpose of like, are they cut out for this and, and things like that. Have, have you guys either anybody had really hard moments where they were, you know, like you guys were really questioning, can you make it in this industry just because it's so male dominated? Emily, you talked about like, you know, lawyers only have a certain, certain lifetime of being um, a lawyer and practicing. What kind of are some things that you really try to like approach and, and to find your purpose in your career field?
1: Yeah I mean I definitely think you just have to create your own lane and it's like any sports career like it's so funny because I'll talk to like these 20 year olds who are in college and they're like what do I need to do to like succeed and like what's the path and I'm like there is no path like everyone's path is different and it's amazing like the variety of backgrounds I have from my clients it's incredible and what I love is all of their different experiences have made them really good at what they're doing right now. So I love that. But yeah, I think just really creating your own
0: opportunities to succeed is really important. Yeah, Amanda, do you, how have you been able to really find your purpose, especially representing you know, a male dominated sport racing, even though pit like drag racing, there are a lot of females, you know, I've been watching it and there are a lot of really amazing women that are really good and successful. So what kind of, even just with broadcasting and representing, you know, racing, where have you been able to find your purpose and to really just keep going, um, in that industry?
3: Yeah, I think for me, uh, so with drag racing, it's such a unique sport that there's just natural stoppages in the sport. So you have, whether we're at a side-by-side race or four-wide, uh, the competitors pull off the track, and at the very end of the track, there's me. So I'm the first person someone sees after going 300 miles an hour. Well, that gets interesting. <laughs> there's a lot of emotion, there's a lot of adrenaline, there's a lot of excitement, and uh, you know, at that point, I, I I don't think that the drivers are looking at me as a female. I think that they're looking at me as uh, they get excited, right? And, and well. Sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes (laughs) You have to talk to him when it isn't good. Um, I get excited. (laughs)
2: Yeah,
3: Yeah, but it's one of those things I really take a lot of pride in knowing that uh, truthfully, all I am is just my duty is to the viewer. Uh, What that person sitting on the couch who has some, there's some sort of question that's probably formulating in their mind of like, oh man, I wonder why so and so just did this or oh, crap, he just qualified for his first race. He's got to be excited. So to be able to kind of draw out that emotion and connect human to human, um, I'm, I just facilitate that. Uh, so, you know, I, I truly hope, um, granted, luckily I've been able to work on the property for a couple of years, so it, it does become like a family. Uh, and I, I truly, uh, I think if a driver was on this uh, live stream or if you talk to them, uh, I... I am a tough reporter. Uh, it's, uh, I'm, like I said, I am not, while I love everyone and I think that we're all, you know, friends and I care about their families um, and I know they care about mine, uh, it's a job. And I answer to a boss and I, I 100% answer to the public and um, I take it serious.
0: Yeah, that's such an, that's so interesting, like such a perspective. I feel like not a lot of people, Um, are able to get so that was thank you for that answer um but another thing that we as like women in the sports industry really look to I think now it's encouraged a lot more just because there are those women that have trailblazed and are going before us now it's just like us leaning on each other and you know like putting the hand down and and kind of like once again like Emily brought up like the 20 somethings in college like asking like, what do I do? Like, how do I do this? Um, Where have you guys been able to really find mentors and find other women that you look up to, you know, whether it's just like a family member that highlights things that are good that you've done your whole life and things like that. But um, yeah, just any mentors or or women that you guys can look up to and, and and, and help you along this way.
1: Yeah. Um, so for me, uh, my biggest mentor is Laura Oakman. Um, we connected basically through, and it makes me laugh because I've been seeing a lot of like hate on Twitter for cover letters. But basically, I just kind of cold wrote her a cover letter that wasn't even a cover letter. It was just like my story and why I wanted to like get to know her. And she called me in like 20 minutes, and I was like, Oh my God! Like, who is this number? I hope it's not like there's no way it's her because it's been 20 minutes and she liked my story because we have similar stories. And so because of that, even though like our experiences were different, like we were really able to connect because we both have um, similar values and similar personalities. And then she opened my world to galvanize, which is basically like this vast network of women. Like it's about at 2000 right now who have done boot camps and over seven years of just, um, getting to know each other better and bringing more women to the table and so I've loved that because I feel like it was created for moments like right now like just it's been amazing to see like obviously this is such an unfortunate situation that we're in but it's really been amazing to see um everyone really rise to the challenge of being there for each other because like of course you can tweet about sisterhood and like do all the catchy like Instagram quotes and stuff, but actually seeing it in action has been awesome.
3: Yeah, I mean, picking up from Emily, uh, I look at, um, I'll be honest, like coming up, being surrounded by mostly men in the industry, there weren't really women above me that I could grab onto for advice or for um, kind of uh, that leadership. Uh, Luckily, early on, I did have a lot of strong mentors that were hard on me that checked me on knowledge, Um, anyone from John Shambi to uh, one of my personal mentors now that uh, he, it's so funny because he doesn't even look at, he's like, okay, well, we can kind of figure out what your next 10 years look like, but what are the 10 years after that? I'm like, oh my god, let me just get through 2020, (laughs) you know, but it's been one of those things. I would say the first female that had um, a big influence on me, and she probably doesn't even know it, uh, back in 2014, I got a random opportunity to go on the road uh, as a stage manager for ESPN, and I worked directly with Beth Mullins. Um, and when you talk about, I'm just going to say it, when you talk about a badass in her space, yeah. uh, sit in a booth with her week in, week out, and to see what she was fighting to see the battle she was having behind closed doors, to watch her prep, to watch her call a game, to hear her on headset, game in, gay out, d- game in, gay out. And the other thing that I thought was so funny is we would go to, I remember one time we went from like state college to Laramie, Wyoming, back to state college. And mind you, college football uh, in state college is freezing, okay? <laughs> so it wasn't Laramie as well, but it they just assumed that Beth wanted the booth closed. Oh, no, 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 no. Beth Moens calls a game in an open air booth. She sure does. <laughs> and it was just honestly, it was just so wonderful to see. And um, since then, like a Debbie Antonelli and all, all different people I've been able to cross paths with now, like everyone is so welcoming and loving. And, and truthfully, I, I look at the last couple years, Erin, your age, your age group is doing amazing. You guys are all connected and reaching out and even, you know, hosting this live stream, like, I am so, 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 so excited uh, for the next generation. Um, And even on the, and I'm sure Emily has some unfortunate horror stories, but even on the idea that some of the things that might have happened to us in our 20s, and what we came up with, even the, um, the, can she really do it, or the condescending, or, um, you know, inappropriateness, I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very, 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 very hopeful that that's not going to be on y'all's plate. I Absolutely. Don't <laughs> yeah.
0: And I think even too, there's, there's many of us, like, I know Ash and like we talk about it all the time, just those women willing to, you know, put their hands out and, you know, have these conversations and talk with us. And I know I like, tell everybody that I'm way out of my comfort zone. And I know Ashton is too, is like, we are just trying to figure it out. But I think just the the willingness from people and and even Emily, you, you brought up your, your Galvanize um, podcast and, and things like that. Like I listened to the Laura Oakman um, show and she talked about too, not only just having great women to help each other, but having great men, like having men as mm-hmm. allies, like having these allies all over and yeah. people just you know seeing you for for who you are and in your skill set and wanting to help that and and things like that I think that's extremely important and even Emily if you could just kind of talk about um galvanize and, and galvanize life podcast and just your role with that what what has that been like and and what yeah. do you enjoy the most and and things like that
1: Yeah, it's funny because, you know, I I was like a law student when I started this. And um, this is like Laura's baby. Like this is like her passion project. It's her baby. And she really cares a lot about it not being like misrepresented. And so Just my time with her. I ended up developing that trust that she was comfortable with me sort of taking more initiative with things and really stepping up. So I really appreciate that because she gave me more responsibility, even though it was uncomfortable for her. And so now I basically function as like an executive director of Galvanize, basically doing a lot of the behind the scenes work like right now we're doing this huge Virtual interview series called the who not do all about these amazing guests who, like, who they really are as a person and not just the resume. But that takes – it's, like, we always joke, Laura and I, about, like, herding cats. Like, it really is with – we have, like, a 100 reporters right now and facilitating them with the guests. It's been it's been a lot, but it's great because we're starting to wrap up and, like, see the finished pro- uh, product, and that's great. But, um, yeah, so it just sort of happened, and I was, like, totally cool with it because – I can I was coming fresh out of this really, um, high male energy environment. And so to experience that connectivity with women was really special to me. And that's what inspired me to do what I'm doing now. Like it just became so obvious to me that I was meant to do what I'm doing through that. Um, and then the podcast, like, again, I, it's funny. Cause I just never was like into being on camera or like doing a podcast and, uh, my friend, Gabrielle, who's the co-host, she's done Galvanize also. We did, she did some work for Laura last year. So we worked together. She just texted me in like January and was like, I kind of want to do a podcast for Galvanize. And I was like, okay, well, let's see what Laura says. And Laura was like, okay, yeah, do it. I trust you guys. And I was like, okay. And so we recorded our first episode and realized, she realized that she didn't record it so which is great because it was really crappy like there was like a garbage truck in the background and like it was so bad (laughs) I'm so glad that she didn't record it but we just kind of went for it and it's it's very casual if you listen to it like we we do not do like formal questions at all like we're just talking and what I love is we try and bring as many of the like galvanize women on because they're doing such amazing things. Like they have companies or starting and creating new content. Like we had a girl on Monday who um, started, it's called hiking with Haley. And she, on her last episode, basically sat on an alligator. and was like doing all this outdoor content, uh, basically taking advantage of the time and the opportunity to be outdoors during the pandemic. And so it's been really fun just highlighting uh, all the amazing things that they do. That's really, I think, our, our most important goal with the podcast
0: is just to give them the platform to share what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a huge, super important thing, especially like what we're doing with women in sports. Um, obviously, like Rising Coaches is more centered on, you know, basketball coaches and the basketball community. But just like the the C, like CEO Adam and, and Brandon who just really encouraged us to like go just gave us everything we're like just go out and find find women in the industry and and really pursue them and ask questions and and giving us the confidence to let them tell their stories and and talk about their experiences is is super great so just very thankful for for this time in some ways and some very weird ways mm-hmm. but um but yeah even something too that I think is a huge thing that people have really had to step into is just media and social media and especially like Amanda you being a broadcaster and kind of you have your own brand like people recognize you and and see you And, and Emily too like you have been able to like we found each other on Twitter and just me being able to like look at your page and be like wow like she one helps other women two like helps women by like her trade and, and what she does. And can you guys just really kind of talk about that and you're, you're building your brand and, and representing yourself in such a way that you can be authentic and, you know, be who you say you are, but what are just kind of some ways that you um, focus on that through social media and, and some things that you have learned along the way to just be your most authentic self?
3: Uh, I think on uh, my end, uh, you know, I also take, um, ownership of knowing that I represent a league too. Um, and I think that that's important. Um, you know, as much as we have our identities and we have our personal opinions and we have, um, you know, it is a business at the end of the day. And, um, for me, that's, uh, I like to show my personality more so in, this, in the side of things that matter to me, um, whether through inspiration or through different things that I might cross. You're definitely gonna see photos of my niece <laughs> on all my social media. Um, but no, there's a lot of promotion and there's a lot of, um, Hey, we're going to be in Indianapolis this weekend. We'd love for you guys to join along with this. And then, you know, I try to be honest, um, you know, a lot of our, it, uh, well, I mean, it's not just our fans, it's all fans. Everyone's frustrated, right? We haven't had sports for such a long time. And, um, we know that you can't hear us through our mask. Right. And, and it's, it's, it's all these things of, but Hey, we're all in this together. We're all working together and, um, appreciating uh, their commitment to us and appreciating, uh, that, that they want to be a part of, of what we're doing and figuring all this out. So, um, I, you know, the social media thing, um, it, uh, there are positives and negatives. Uh, luckily, uh, our fan base has been very welcoming and very supportive and, um, very kind. Uh, that's not always the case. Uh, I've seen it with other people and, uh, you know, you hate, um, you know, there's just some mean people and, uh, yeah, at the end of the day, you just have to kind of know that hurt people hurt people. So, and just try to let it roll off you and not, um, let it, uh, stop you, but, uh, it's a necessary evil, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, if you told me a few years ago that like so much of my business would be predicated on social media, I would have been so pissed because (laughs) I hated it. Like I deleted my Facebook, like don't even like Instagram. Like I just don't even like, I like Twitter because it's a lot of information. And so I like to process information, but really so much of my career is on social media because I've gotten so many client referrals through, like, I saw your story on this, and then my friend sent me this. And um, so that's been awesome. And so now, of course, it's very important to me. And obviously, I mean, I literally took an oath to represent the legal profession. So I take that very seriously on my social media, Um, try and be as professional as I can. I definitely like to joke about sports once in a while, but I try and keep it pretty, pretty clean. And um, yeah, for me, it's been amazing because I've been able to sort of circulate information about some of the things that I'm doing in a really efficient way. So I'm doing like a negotiation seminar next week, and I had posted it on my story and my Twitter, and within one day, I had like 80 requests. And so it was awesome because it just circulates so fast and I love that because it's reaching people that I probably wouldn't have been able to reach re- otherwise, you know, just through like my personal network. So I really do love that.
0: Yes. Also going to plug you because I signed up for that and I can't <laughs> wait to just learn more and I'm super excited about it. But yeah, I think it's just like a is necess- like kind of what you said, like a necessary evil. It's just one of those things. I absolutely like hated I hate social media like I do not like it I did the same thing except mine was Instagram so it's funny that yours was Facebook (laughs) but I just yeah it having it but it's so necessary and it's something that you I really had to kind of train myself to be like using it for good and using it for like you know a a job and in a business and not you know like oh it's 3am and i'm scrolling through you know like kardashian beams or something like mm-hmm. just making sure for me that i'm like very disciplined with it and i think that um yeah it's just something that i know is is going to really just not go anywhere and and just get bigger but um something that we always ask ask our coaches who kind of like their their success is kind of more based on win, win wins and losses in some extent what are some ways that you guys really like for yourself and kind of like through reflection are able to like define success in in your professions?
1: Yeah, for me, it is um getting my clients paid <laughs>
0: it's
1: like a one um it's that's really, really important to me, and like Amanda said, like i I will fight tooth and nail to try and avoid my client having to work a second job. Like, I hate that. And it drives me crazy, especially in big markets. Like I literally have in a negotiation, like drawn out a budget and to show them the cost of living and that they didn't even think about that prior to the conversation. So that was a really powerful, thing that they were processing and it ended up changing the number. But yeah, at the end of the day, I just want to get my client paid and paid well.
3: <laughs> That's awesome. Oh man. what is success. Uh, you know, for me now, uh, if you would have told me five years ago or six, seven years ago that I'd be doing drag racing, I'd be like, what? <laughs> and now, uh, it is 100% the perfect job for me. Uh, I, I get asked all the time, what's next? What's next? And I don't think there is a better job in sports. And I don't say that to embellish. I don't say that to, uh, like I said earlier, there's literally no other sport on the planet where you can speak to competitors while they're still competing. It's fascinating to me and i love that i get to facilitate that interaction um at 11 a.m on sunday i literally have no idea what's going to happen for the next five hours and to bottle that uh i wish everyone could experience that because it's just this chaos of um i don't know i like it <laughs> maybe that's my drug i don't know maybe that maybe i'm the weirdo but it's uh and not to say that other sports but you know, things are more contained, right? There's periods and intermissions and quarters. Uh, this literally is, you start with 16 competitors on a Sunday and one leaves with a trophy. And it's, it's essentially March Madness every Sunday, it's crazy. Um, but no, it's, uh, success I think is, um, I, I've always, and it goes back even to when I was younger, I've always been in a rush. I've always been okay. What's next? What's next? What's next? I've always been, I don't want to say unsettled is the right word, but I've always pushed myself. And for the first time in my life, really, um, to find um, content, to find peace, uh, that to me is success. And um, I know we'll all look back on this year and Think what the hell. <laughs> um, but for me, it truly has been a year when I've been able to separate, um, I think, especially as women, but as women in, in this career, a lot of our identity is wrapped into this career. And um, I will always look back at this year when I separated my professional life and my personal life. Mm-hmm. And um, I, it's funny, I can't, there's no way I could even go back at this point. Um, but that, that, that is success to me, is um, being um, at ease.
0: I feel like that spoke true to so many people. You just defined this, this past everything and, and just the, t- the whole 2020 theme in that. And I think we even see that circulating with, you know, even just coaches stepping down and, and a lot of movement within people being like, I, you know, have neglected my family for so long and and finally are getting to just stop and really, you know, smell the roses and and appreciate things. So that was, yeah, both of those answers, like so well put. Um, But just kind of something that we always do every um, episode is our points of pride. We always like finishing with this and just kind of, um, we always start with kind of how you start your day and, and, and we end with, you know, your points of pride. So that being, one thing you really try to get out of every day, and um, you know whether it was you know a hard day or, or not. Um, Emily, I know you kind of brought up like, yeah, today I got everything done, but there's just you know some crazy stuff going on. But just like when you lay your head on the pillow, just that one thing that um, you really try to focus on and and uh, take with you into the next day as well. So um, yeah, either of you want to start.
1: Um, I think for me, it's just, even if I can make one of my clients or even just a woman, a young woman feel better, especially right now, like my job has shifted in the pandemic from just purely like, you know, more business side of things to really taking care of the person. And um, I've actually enjoyed it because to me, if I can make one woman feel better about herself or her career or her path and i'm happy with that day because right now is brutal and these days can really beat up on your spirit especially some of these women i've talked to have applied to like 200 plus sports jobs and they are beaten down and all you need is one yes and i've heard a million stories of just the one yes and that's all it takes and so it's hard and it's so easy to get down on yourself, but sometimes you just do need somebody in your corner. And so that's really who I hope to be.
3: That's awesome. I, uh, so I was pulling up my phone cause I have uh, this quote, well, it's bright, <laughs> but I have this quote that's on my uh, phone every day and uh, it's may we always choose the harder right instead of the easier wrong. And uh, for me, Um, I try to think of the different choices uh, that I've made in my career and in my life and uh, often we'll get to a diversion and and there's a clear, easy way and there's a clear, right way. And a lot of times the easy way is gonna feel good in the moment. It's gonna bring you the instant gratification, the instant satisfaction. Uh, But in terms of that right decision, that right decision often feels terrible, sucks. Uh, it's not what you want to do, but it's the one that's going to bring you the most peace. And, um, for me, if, if I can go to bed at night and know I can wake up and look at myself in the morning, uh, the next day that that's what I, what I try to do. That's what I take pride in.
0: Wow. You guys just are dropping. Yeah. So much, uh, <laughs> slam dunks for sure um, all the alley-oops, um, this was great, I appreciate it so much, um, just the, the different relationships, and things that we've been able to benefit from, like, on this show, and things like that, but just for you guys, you know, volunteering this time to just share your stories, and and share what's on your heart, and, and who you're, who you are, and what you represent, um, I'm super thankful, and I know Ashton, Um, is too. So she I know she wishes she could be here. But um, yeah, so I just want to say thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you. This has been great. I love it. Absolutely. Yeah. And then also, um, if any type of like contact information, if you want to just drop that in the chat for people that, you know, were in here and things like that, whatever you're comfortable with Twitter, Instagram. Um, But yeah, so I Appreciate everyone that is watching on the
3: live stream and on Zoom with us. Let me just add one thing real quick, cause I know Brandon's on and If I don't get this out there, I'm gonna hear from it after. Yeah. Uh, and this is, Erin, this goes for you and it goes for um, a lot of people your age and especially uh, the network of uh, rising coaches. Um, but you talked earlier about, um, you know, mentors and uh, and as Emily referenced, it is so key to find, the people that are gonna champion for you. And it's so key to have your village because those are the people that are gonna pull you up and uh, you're gonna get a random call at 2 p.m. on a Saturday and you're gonna be moving across the country in two weeks. Um, But I had a mentor early on tell me, remember people on the way up because you'll meet them on the way down. And that will, it may not make sense now, uh, but I can assure you, I started as a runner. I started as a production assistant. Um, I, there's a lot of people probably watching that are in GA positions, that are in DOBO positions. They're, they're going to be your next generation assistants. They're going to be a generation, maybe 10, 15 years out from being head coaches. So it's know that we're all in this journey together. Uh, and time does pass. I know it doesn't feel like it's going to. Um, but just know that the grind is worth it and, um, just, uh, if you cross a bad egg, know that they probably don't understand that, uh, you're probably going to be seeing them on their way down, (laughs) but, uh, you know, stay the course and be passionate and, and love what you do.
0: So true. Absolutely incredible. Um, thank you too. Once again, so much. Um, thank you everyone for watching and have a great, um, weekend. Bye everyone. Bye. Thank you. I'll draw my info in the chat.
2: Perfect.
1: (laughs) Yes. All right. Have a fair. Yeah, you too. Bye.
2: Can you stop the live stream?
0: Thank you for listening to Women in Sports. This show is all about advancing the narrative for women in the sports industry. I'm one of the hosts, Erin Sinnott. And I'm Ashton Pills. This is a Rising Coaches sponsored show that gives women in the sports industry the opportunity to tell their stories and talk about their
1: experiences. Glad to have you listening along. Stay tuned.
2: Women in Sports is brought to you by Rising Coaches. Rising Coaches is the biggest coaching tree in all of basketball. We have over 1,200 members of coaches from the high school all the way up to the professional level. Uh, And there's three things that we focus on. Community, relationships, and development. There's no straight line in this business. There's only ups and downs and peaks and valleys. And when you're going through them, it is crucial that you have a support system and a community who has been through the fires themselves that you can lean on and help you through those tough times. Genuine relationships. We put the premium on genuine, uh, not just exchanging phone numbers and speaking one time a year at the Final Four. Uh, but rather creating relationships that will last a lifetime and help you both personally and professionally. And finally, and most importantly, development. We are constantly providing resources to our members so that they can work on their craft and add tools to their toolbox. The premise is this. If you sign up and become a member for Rising Coaches for just $120 a year, the relationships and the network will take care of themselves organically so that you can focus on working on your craft, and better serving the people that you come in contact every single day as a coach. For more information, visit risingcoaches.com and sign up for a membership today.